Welcome to Beyond, conversations with artists, makers, explorers who have gone outside of the norm to create their own true world, to sing their own precious song. I ask you, are you ready to sing your own song? Are you ready to go beyond? I'm your host, Daphne Cohn, and my guest today is Alana Pratt. I first met Alana over 13 years ago when I interviewed her for a summit I was hosting on pleasure and sensuality. I loved her candor, kindness, and deep devotion to her work. Alana is an intimacy expert, the podcast host of Intimate Conversations, and author of six books. She's been featured on Huffington Post, People Magazine, Forbes, CBS, ABC, Fox, TLC, iHeartRadio, The Good Men Project, and more. And in her words, for the past 20 years, her brave willingness to heal her own heart and come home to herself makes her authentic, relatable, and credible. Her wisdom, exuberance, and raw transparency inspire the deep soul work required to create a solid, intimate relationship with oneself first, which naturally attracts and enhances an ideal, open-hearted partnership that lasts. She's a small-town Canadian girl living in rural Wyoming who is honored to love the shit out of humanity. Some of the things we talk about in this conversation are creating an intimate relationship with the universe, how to choose joy in the face of pain and suffering, the portal back into the body, how Alana healed herself after a very painful crisis, the first step to manifesting, and the most potent vibration to send out to the universe. You can learn more about Alana and her work at alanapratt.com, and you can catch up on all past episodes at daphnecone.com. May this conversation inspire you to go within to the raw, wild expanse of mystery that is your beating heart, vibrating body, pulsing life, in order to go beyond, to utter the sacred, your words, dance, painting, art. Welcome, Alana, to the Beyond Podcast. It is quite a joy to have you here, having interviewed you years and years ago, and to have you back in this way is really beautiful. So thank you. Oh, the the homecoming, the heartfelt homecoming is felt. <laughs> so thank you so much. And it's kind of kind of a silly, funny way to begin, but the Beyond podcast. I love that. And in fact, I'm updating my website into a Shopify website and you can choose from hundreds of themes and the theme's name is beyond. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I know. So I'm like, oh, confirmation. I'm exactly yes. where I'm meant to be. <laughs> beautiful. Well, I wanted to begin with you as someone who doesn't just talk about intimacy. Intimacy is your it's your message. I feel like it's your life. It's your work of, of your life. And a lot of times when I mention intimacy, people think I'm talking about sexual intimacy and it's only that. And while of course that's a component, it actually, for me, there's this aspect of how deeply can I merge with this experience? So having said that, I would like to begin with your, the way you explain intimacy and this, and I know this is a big, you could take hours on this, but this, what it, what it was like, why intimacy? Mm. Such a beautiful introduction, such a deep energetic space in which to welcome me into. So thank you for also being a a savorer, is that a word, of intimacy. Uh, To me, there's that coined term, into me, I see. And I went, oh yeah, I I like that. And as as I dive deeper into intimacy, for me, it's about, can I open my heart even when I'm terrified? Can I stay present even when I wanna run? Can I be vulnerable? honest, transparent, and open rather than a people pleaser and look good? Can I have my own back 
even if they reject me? Can I let go of control and trust that the universe has got me and that I've got me? And can I do that enough and practice that enough that it starts to become fun to be alive? <laughs> that I can actually start dancing with the mystery and and feel at peace in my own skin. And for me, the reason I believe I was drawn to that, and of course, just to back up one second, that could be definitely in the bedroom, but it's also the way we are present with our kids. It's also the way we are with our, I hope anyways, with our clients or our colleagues as we're impacting humanity and making a contribution. It's the way we interact with nature if we just sort of cognitively analyze a beautiful sunset. <laughs> I mean, it's so sterile. Mm -hmm. Could we let it, could we let the beauty penetrate us, move us, like alter our cells? To me, that's having an intimate relationship with, with nature. Uh, I find when I am that way, more animals come to hang out with me because there's an honor and a respect and a grace and also not a sense of who's in charge or who's superior and who's inferior. It's like a meeting of the souls when I meet that way with nature, even money. I used to be mad at money. Where did you go? Why isn't there more of you? Um, but I thought, well, money is another place I can have an intimate relationship with. Like, hi, have I not been managing you the way you want? Have I not been honoring and saving and investing you in a way that respects you? Do I believe I deserve you? All these, there's so many new ways of being when every single relationship in life you look at, how could this be more intimate? And so I desire this because it's what I didn't have. I didn't have the most important intimate relationship of, of all with myself. I was not even in my body. I was completely disassociated in terror trying to be safe and smile to calm everybody down growing up. And so I ached. I didn't know what I was aching for, Daphne, but I was aching for an intimate relationship with myself. And when I got there, not that I think I'll ever get there fully, but as I came home more to myself, I realized I was aching for an intimate relationship with the divine and that I am the divine and the divine is me. And to embody that is so rich and so delicious and so safe. And I feel enough. And when I live from that place, not perfectly, it's always a practice. But when I live from that place, like I was saying before we started the interview, I woke up this morning, just a few minutes before my alarm, totally dark outside. And I woke up happy. And there was no reason to be happy. But I woke up happy, um, like a not like a excited because of an outside accomplishment happy, like that inner joy that happens when you practice intimately connecting with yourself. Okay, I'll I'll ask the the last thing first, which is, is speaking to the last thing you spoke about, and then I want to back up a little bit. But when you talk about you are asking for an intimate relationship with the divine. And you talked about that being safe. And at the same time, it's a very, in my mind, it's a very bold asking. It's, it's a very brave asking. I don't know if it feels that way to you. So first of all, just does that resonate before I even ask the question? I'm laughing over here. Absolutely. Because that took me, oh, about 20 years to <laughs> okay. accomplish. In fact, one of my, I've, um, I've developed processes. So I call them my Atlanta prep method processes. And one of them is called God and the goddess. And it's a practice because it took me years to like it, even in my mind's eye, look them in the eye. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel good enough. I felt ashamed. I felt mad. How did you, why did you forsake me? I did not at all have a healthy relationship with my maker. Um, and so that exercise, not that it's really like a lady and a dude in the sky, but 
for the sake of interacting with masculine and feminine energies. It's a good uh, uh, symbolism. And I, it took a long time till I could finally look them in the eye and say, "I've, I've made so many mistakes. I've failed so many times. I've been so cruel to myself, to others. I've been spinning in my head. I don't know which way is up. Do I even deserve your gaze? Like, are you, are you ashamed of me? Like I had all this crap in the way, but I didn't give up and I kept at it and I still keep at it. And there have been moments of complete oneness, complete direct experience, and maybe a handful, maybe like four or five, where I know I am one with all. And that's why I keep doing the work and I support others in doing this intimacy work because it's possible to have an intimate relationship with the universe. It lives in us. I want to, I want to go deeper into that because there's something there of such a deep trust that has to carry you all these years of continuing, continuing, even when you can't even look this, it, you know, look in the eyes in this conversation, but like to, to keep trusting that there is something in me as if it's you, you know, there's something in me that will say, I know I know that I'm worthy and that's what's keeping me on this path. Like, where were you reaching in? How were you reaching in to keep moving forward and deepening this relationship with the divine? Yeah, I love the words you use because that's not where I started. I didn't trust. I was skeptical as hell. I didn't feel worthy. I felt like a hot mess. Maybe the better word is stubborn. I don't know. Um, But it is a, I'd call it like a blind faith. It really just came down to, well, I'll tell you where it came down to. I was 16 waiting for James and Carlene to come out to the cabin for the weekend. And Carlene came down the steps and said, James is dead. And they played jokes on me all the time. But then I saw Carlene's parents walk up behind her with their heads down. And I'm like, holy shit, this is real. And I don't remember much after that, except the next memory I have, I'm running down. The cabin was beside a a two-lane highway. I was running down the center of the yellow line, screaming, looking at the top of the pine trees. No! And if I could just keep screaming, no, it wouldn't be true. And then I remember the next thing where I could hear cars screeching and Carlene saying, there's been a death. There's been a death. And it's like, my God, it happened when I was 16. I'm 52, but I could still feel the pain. And I turned around and my dad was walking towards me on the yellow line. Now, my dad was a real shithead growing up, drunk, stoned. He didn't really have many redeeming moments. I ached for his protection and I didn't get it. But in that moment, I did. He was there on the yellow line and he took my shoulders, Daphne, and he shook me back into my body. And he goes, look, if this is it, if this is all there is to life, let's get off. You will see your friend again. Life is eternal. And he walked me off the highway. And that was like a complete fork in the road. Like I took a different path. What? There's life beyond this drunk asshole who I'm terrified of. Like you're the bearer of the opening of my heart and aligning me with my purpose. Oh, that's why I chose you as a father. And that was really the wake up call was a curious, a stubborn curiosity that I'm not going to die. If I'm going to stay here, there's got to be more, or I don't want to stay here. And I've kept seeking that more or that home in the face of pain that I didn't know how to get through. And then a few weeks later, he stood beside me in the church while I read the eulogy 
And my mom said, no, we don't wear black. We wear the brightest color we have to celebrate his life. And I wore this bright orange sweater and my dad, my knees were shaking and he was holding me up. And my mom said, we don't, we don't make the eulogy about you. We make it about everybody else so that everyone sitting in that church feels touched. So my parents were, they got divorced. They weren't the best role models. I learned a lot of what not to do, but they showed up when it really mattered. It's, this actually brings me into something that um, I've heard you talk about and I'm going to get to in just a minute, but it's this, it's so fascinating because we, I'll say I, I have this idea that I feel like, okay, these are in direct contradiction to there's intimacy. And then there is, I want life to go this way, to be linear, to work itself out, to, to be as I imagine I need it to be. And then, and that and intimacy are like, don't, don't go together. (laughs) And, and so this is a perfect example of that, of, and and I would actually, I'd love for you to speak to that. And the, the thing that I was thinking about that you talk about is, is this ability to receive and what it is in these moments, in all moments to like, to drop this agenda, this like way of holding so tightly to this way, and then to open, to receive in order to be intimate with. Yeah. It was a really big wake up call that a dad who's supposed to be a protector wasn't. So that was one of the first pieces. Mom wasn't really present. She was just trying to keep it all together. And so that sense of like safety or nurturing wasn't always there. So I started to get these little pieces. And then that one with James was a big wake up call that life is not fair. Life is not fair life hurts. But then the very next step was, and who am I going to be about it? I remember that same day that James died, my neighbors down the way took me bike riding at the provincial park. And as we were coming back to our cabins down the, the, the forested mountain into this opening where the lake was, where our cabins were right on the lake, it was a clear blue sky, Daphne, not a cloud, but two rainbows right over my cabin. Mm. And I saw that like two choices, two points of view, two paths. This is a moment where I could get bitter, close my heart. Life's not fair, fair, check out. And I would be justified, be mad at God the rest of my life. Or even in the face of this, keep my heart open, learn how to keep my heart open and learn how how do I, how can I be here and still have joy, authentic joy, connection, authentic connection. When in a moment's notice, people can be taken away from us. People can hurt us. People can betray us. People can use us. People can hurt us. And so I chose the second rainbow. (laughs) Um, My programs are even called heart splayed wide open. That to me, this is the path. And the key to me is intimacy with self. When I wasn't having my own back, when I was, let's say, terrified and I rejected myself, scared and I abandoned myself, nervous and I squished it, stuffed it down. When I disassociate from my body and when I separate from myself, I destroy intimacy with myself. I no longer have my own back. And that is the most terrifying way to live. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I know that when you spoke about let the beauty penetrate me and I think, oh yes, I want that. And then at the same time, I can see it's like arms coming out from my chest going back off. Like, like it's like this back and forth. So how do you dance with those two? 
you feel the feels. <laughs> um, what I've learned, and I'm still learning, but what I've discovered is when that first back off feeling happens to instead of to just be in that feeling, to not back off and then check out or back off and close down or back off and disassociate, but to be with the back off, feel the back off. It's a little bit mad and a little bit terrified. It's a little bit of a don't want to let go of control. And it's like a frozen thing. If we can feel whatever it is that comes up, and it doesn't take a long time, but it does take a good, mm, certainly five seconds to get through the worst of it, 10, and then it begins to soften 15. By the time you're at 30 seconds, you're even 15 seconds, you're in a new place. It changes. And so these energies, these emotion, energy and motion that comes through us, if we allow it, not check out and witness it from way up in the sky, but be in the body, embodied, feeling these feelings, they process, they integrate. It's like alchemy from lead to gold. You get through that feeling. And on the other side of it, it's not just that it's over. You're better. You're more confident. You're more capable. You speak up. You become grounded. You are more you. This is how we become more us is by feeling the really uncomfortable things. So if we can do that in that moment of, oh my God, there's nothing more than surrendering to the beauty of that sunrise. And then there's the, ah, just be with the, because ah, it'll pass. And maybe a tear will fall and maybe the body might shudder a little bit, but then the breath will deepen and you'll come eventually home to this place of calm and peace, maybe rapture and bliss, all different flavors of what that experience was meant to give you. The experience of exquisite beauty or the experience of tremendous pain. They're both, and this is hard for my mind to grasp, but I know it to be true. I know it to be true. They're both there to help us grow. Yeah. The pleasure and the pain. It's, it's interesting the the embodied because around the beginning of COVID, I started doing this form of intuitive movement and it it's changed me. And when I give myself the permission to keep prioritizing that, to keep prioritizing coming into my body, instead of just checking things off the to-do list and moving quickly through, but first come into my body, first practice this movement. I was just saying this to my husband. When I do this, I feel the most me. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Oh, you're amazing, Daphne. Yes. Yes. So I'd like to ask you because you work with men and women and my bias is to think it's especially powerful for women because we can become so distant from our bodies, but maybe in your experience, is that true or is it equal men and women both and, and what does it like as an adult to come back into the body? What does that look like? And, and is it different for men and women? I'm sure there's nuances that are different, but the concept and the practice is identical. Hmm. We leave, we all leave the body for a reason. Shame, abuse, terror, trauma, discomfort, stuffing down our feelings because feelings aren't allowed. Boys don't cry, be seen, not heard. Like we've all, um, our parents have done our best, but we've all left our body to survive. And it was clever because the, the intensity was just too much for a little one to process. But now that we're adults and we can start to become aware, oh, I'm just a talking head. I'm not feeling anything. I'm just thinking three steps ahead of the next thing to say. I'm not even with this person. I'm all about performance in the bedroom. I'm not even present to the feel of their skin or their breath. Like we can become aware pretty quickly how not in our body we are. And to me, the portal back in is feeling. And I believe men and women both have equal capacity and equal challenge to feel. 
on my group coaching calls or private calls or retreats, there'll be a moment that someone's talking about a challenge and talking about something. I, I, I lovingly interrupt. I go right there, right there. I'm right here. I got you. What's that? And that's what they've been pushing away for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. That's what they got in trouble for feeling when they were little. That's what got them hit. That's what got them rejected. That's what gets triggered when they walked in and their wife was with somebody else. Like all the things, that's the moment. It's it's held in the body, looping, looping, looping in this trauma because they don't know how to feel through it. And frankly, because I don't think we're all meant to do it alone. And they show up as intelligent and successful people wanting to improve their relationship and their marriage or showing up wanting to find the one, et cetera. But the block isn't get a better push-up bra. The block <laughs> is not a little more money in the bank account. It's a sure thing, dude. It's, no, it's never that. It's the emotionally held trauma trigger energy that no one has ever honored them enough to bear witness to and hold space and breathe and love them unconditionally like that. And then they feel it. And it's ugly. It's an ugly cry. It's an ugly scream. It's an ugly face. It's uncomfortable. And sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. But at the end of a process, there's wisdom on the other side. And it's important to slow down and say, and what are you more aware of now? What are you, what wisdom is arising? Because it can often be decades old, something they've always held as was their fault. They now have this heightened, more higher self awareness, like an eagle flying above the situation. And they see really what went down, really why it went down, and really that they weren't responsible. They were a kid. And they can forgive themselves finally. One of the things that you say is like to go where you're most uncomfortable because that's where your power is hidden. Is this, so this is what you're speaking to in a lot of ways. It sounds like is go there and the power being, well, it can be anything, but this aspect of the power to be present for life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, we, yeah, go on. I'm I'm not a scientist, but I'm I love to geek out and talk to scientists, and the the science seems to prove that the field, the universe, the divine God, literally lives within us, fuels us, animates us, breathes us, is in as and through us. And I've had moments where I can feel the ache of the universe to know itself as my unique expression and everyone's unique expression. And so to me, the power that I speak of is really like, if you could turn the hose on full, all the water coming through the hose, that would be all your power, but it's often kinked. The hose is kinked by these traumas that we've pushed down and haven't integrated. The hose is kinked by us literally leaving our body because we don't know how to process the amount of fear or pain inside of us. But when we integrate these experiences into the wisdom they were meant to provide, then yeah, our breath is deeper. Creativity flows. Intuition is loud. Clarity and, and um, non-local intelligence. You, you start to have this, these intuitions and, and new ideas. Like life becomes really quite uh, point, poignantly alive in an embodied sense. Uh, and it's very rich and it gives you, it, it, you're never going to get away from pain. That's part of life. It's not like I'm going to find a partner that never hurts me. It's not possible, but you have the capacity, as we said a moment earlier, to keep your heart open, even though it's hurting and stay present to yourself, to the moment, to your beloved, to your child, to whoever, and breathe and allow for resolution, allow for transformation, allow for magic. One of the things I'm struck by, I've noticed this many examples. So one was like the way that you're talking just now with this strength, this knowing, and there was a time when you were being interviewed and someone asked you 
to name a moment when you were a knucklehead and, and to like explain a duh moment. And, and you said, well, first of all, I, I never call myself a knucklehead. And that really caught me because of you really owning this in you. And the question that I have around that is so often the fear or my fear that can rise up in the face of that is if I claim that, if Mm. I stand in that, then people will hate me or people will be uncomfortable. And, and this is also goes back to saying, I'd rather be vulnerable than people pleasing. And so what has that looked like for you? This, this evolution into really saying this, I'm amazing at this. I don't call myself these things. This is me in my power and I don't shy away and I don't pretend that it's Mm -hmm. not and that I'm not. Yeah. One thing I want to say is I fail every day. I make mistakes every day. I wobble every day. My practice, and I'm not perfect, but my practice is that I don't call myself a knucklehead for for failing. I just tried it this way and it didn't work. So it's not like I'm perfect and it's not like uh, I get it right all the time. Far, far from that. I've just really come to terms with when I'm scared, sad, fall down, fail, make a mess of things. That's already hard enough. But then if I judge myself on top of that, I'm doubly screwed up. And the way I, it's sort of like a learning how to reparent myself so I can create a secure attachment on the inside of myself so that I would stop seeking I'm good enough when he wants to marry me or she wants to work with me or all the external accomplishments and achievements that I was striving for that even once I got them were never enough is because I was trying to fill myself up backwards. And so I very vividly remember I went through a quite a long custody battle with my first husband and like over a decade long. And at least at the end, I'd lost my house and all my savings and I was in all this debt and all, but my son still loved me. Um, still seeking my worth from him until he decided he wanted to live with dad because that was the only way that he could see to create peace. And he was right. I took the high road and allowed to not exercise my physical or legal custody. And I let him live with his dad and the court case ended after 12 years. He was right, but I had to be willing to let go. And I remember it being the most devastating failure. And I realized I was still using him, my son, to be good enough. All this was happening, but at least my son loves me in parentheses. I'm good enough. So I went out to this cabin and I told my staff, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on the brink. So I think like, Friday through Sunday, I'm going to have nervous breakdowns. And then Monday through Thursday, I'm going to work. So, okay, like I'm going to do this as long as it takes until I figure out what's going on here and I can help myself. So on these long weekends, I would sit out on this big deck and I would write down everything I was so ashamed of, Daphne, everything I was afraid of. Like, what if my son never calls me again? What if my business collapses because they realize I'm a, I'm a fraud? I don't have it all together. What if I die alone? What if I take my last breath and no one's there? Like everything. And I cried and I started to feel what was actually, I was operating on top of Mm. all of this spinning and what was driving these sporadic actions and not connected to my intuition actions and my desperate people pleasing everything. And this was what it was. And as I began to feel all of this, a little bit of compassion began to start. And then I started to write down at the beginning of the sentence, even though I may die alone. And then the end of the sentence I put on, I love and accept myself. And I went through the whole list and I started saying this to myself. And it was another way of reconnecting with myself. And then I started to see what I call little you. All a bunch of them 
20 of them. The humiliated one, the scared one, the embarrassed one, the, the fake arrogant because she's really so insecure one, all of them. And I started to literally imagine in my mind's eye looking, going inside the back chamber of my heart and throwing away the key, not going in there for an agenda. I'm coming here to put you in a better mood so we can get the guy and get the money and get the, get the, no, no, no. I'm not, I, I'm letting go of all that. I'm literally throwing away the key. I will sit with you, little Alana, for eternity, even if you never change and learn how to love you exactly as you are. I love and accept you. And things really, really began to shift. I was no longer at war with myself. I was no longer having to leave my body. I was no longer seeking from all these people, taking just to feel enough on the inside. I was starting to truly cultivate home, energy, source, oneness, connection on the inside. The thing that I keep hearing in this example, in the example where you talked about with group coaching and what you would say is that intimacy is choosing when you want to run to turn around and turn towards. Yeah. And, and the other piece that I hear is, is like, there is this over and over it's this gentleness so it's not like this warrior we could say that but it's it's not like this like you just said i'm gonna go in here i'm gonna sit with you and we're gonna get happy and it's like i will just be here and i don't know how it will unfold and i don't know how long it will take but i will be here yeah yeah it's like i think we call it bravery or courage from the heart as opposed to strength and willpower. It's not a mind thing. It's not a pushing thing. It's not a already thinking about the outcome thing. It's a present moment, brave, very intensely uncomfortable, but a soft, a softness, a gentleness, a tenderness. And when we look at the measure, measurement of coherence, we, we can get there generally in sort of two ways. One with the inner balance. I don't know if you use that from heart math, but you can measure your coherence. And it's really quite easy to get there through gratitude and appreciation and love and celebration. But I don't always feel like that every day. Some days I'm really sad or scared. And so what I discovered in using this is I can raise my coherence with compassion and empathy and tenderness just as effectively as gratitude and appreciation. Mm. And then the last piece that really surprised me or and it helped me grow was that once I get a higher coherence through either of those pathways based on how I'm doing today, the last thing that really raises it the highest is letting go. Letting go. I can choose, I can intend, I can have my goals or my targets I can call in everything, but if I'm still holding on or holding my tummy or holding my permakegel or holding my <laughs> shoulders up a little bit, or that little bit of a fake smile, that attachment, right? If I just let it go, let go of significance, it goes right up, goes really high. Cause I think we gave it over. It's, if you imagine seeing the figure eight, the infinity symbol that, you know, you give it over to the universe. So it brings it back. You've got to let go. Ah, so, well, it's okay. I had a question. It just completely went out of my head. I let it go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got caught swept up in, in your words. And um, so let me just think for a moment here. But isn't that even beautiful? We can just be together and the mind is so quiet that we can at least for me yeah allow the next question to arise of its own accord and yeah. that same moment i'm sure with your husband in conversation in making love maybe on a vacation and things didn't go according to plan and the plane's been canceled and you just sit there 
and then something arises. This is to me, the magic of dancing with the universe is that we can try with all our might intend with all of our energy. But if we really want to live a life that's beyond (laughs) name of your wonderful show beyond (laughs) our imagination, we got to let go. It's going to be a co-creative dance with the universe. And that takes bravery, trust, faith. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also why I think it hit me because it, this is the other piece for me with intimacy is that I have this mind and like this habit mind of, okay, I'm going to get up. And then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to have breakfast and then I'm going to stretch and then I'm going to go on my walk and then I'm going to go to work and then I'm going to get, and I keep noticing how my mind keeps wanting to do that. And there is that letting go over and over and over, which isn't to say, okay, I'm not going to do the work that I have to do. I'm just going to drop it all. But there's, within that, the letting go and opening up to what is here. So that's one piece. And, but something I wanted to ask, which is Mm. in, you have these weekly videos that you put out and you are at times, like if you're going through something that's really challenging, you are totally in it when you're Mm recording these videos, you might be crying and you, you will speak to what's happening. And, and I've been fascinated by the ability for you to speak to what we would call things falling apart, or we might name failure and you will speak to them and somehow still be this woman who is like, yes, I, and I am this amazing coach and, and I am powerful and I am strong and I have this connection with the divine and I'm crying because this thing happened or I'm a mess because this is unfolding in my life. And it seems like we usually choose one or the other that I'm going to present myself as powerful, or I'm going to present myself as I bear all. So how have you navigated that? Like, what does that look like internally for you? Mm. Really appreciate this question and that you've been paying attention to how I choose to show up because it's very uh, intentional. The old me who, and not so old, not so long ago, old me (laughs) um, was terrified that if I didn't show up perfect, I would get hurt. I would get rejected. I would get no money, no men, no love, no everything. That was how I was wired. And as I came home inside of myself to love the little you and say, no, 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 I'm not going to reject you. You can be scared and I will be right here. Like as I build this relationship with myself, I made a conscious intentional decision to be that publicly Because I thought if I could leave this planet, having people not have to hide when they're hurt and be there for each other, then, oh my God, we could all be one big family. Um, And that would be worth it. So when when I show up, I try not to, I'm consciously intending not to apologize for my magnificence or my hot mess, mm. neither, the whole gamut. And, and can I shine in my brightness and can I be in the fetal position and not wait till the fetal position's over and shoot the video once I've, you know, put my mascara back on? Like, can I, can I be all of it? Can I celebrate when I'm really proud of myself and in my power? Both of them. Because And you spoke to this earlier, like, if I do that, I might get hurt. I might get rejected. You will, (laughs) you will, and you will every day. That's just how that goes. 
And I'm so grateful when I first started to decide to do whatever the hell I'm doing. I think I was called the sexy mom expert way back when, then a relationship expert, now the intimacy expert. And I don't even like the word expert. You have just whatever. I'm me. But I remember I had a mentor, Sark. Um, she wrote uh, yeah. man, 14 books. She's amazing. And um, I remember I was starting to show up more authentically in my email newsletters. And I got this like seven page email back and it was titled, you are a black widow. And this man just spewed his hatred of women all on me. And I was a mess. And I, I emailed Sark and I said, I don't think I should be speaking my truth very much. And she's like, congratulations. This is a great sign. <laughs> and I'm like, what? She goes, this means you're showing up. Welcome. And she imagined, she told me to imagine a bell curve that in the center, 80% is who I'm here to serve. And there will be, I don't know, five or 10% who will hate you. And because you're triggering them. And there will be five to 10% who think you're way better than you actually are. <laughs> and you're not. You're human like everyone else. Put your pants on like everyone else. Your farts smell like everyone else. Um, and she's like, they kind of balance each other out. Just stay in your lane. Just stay in your lane and be you. And so that's what also fuels this capacity to be the embodiment of vulnerability is, can I be, I just finished uh, listening to um, Brene's last book, um, Atlas of the Heart and all these different emotions. And I was really proud of myself as I was listening to that book. I, I be those publicly as an invitation for us all to love that part of us and that part of us and that part of us. And if we can have that intimacy with ourselves, and maybe not have a YouTube channel and show it to everybody like I do, that doesn't need to be your job description, but with the people that matter, we can practice with the people who've earned the right and shown us that they love us in our wobbly and in our triumphant to practice freedom and aliveness that is our birthright to be unapologetically who we are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see how the effort of I'm going to put out the email, the video, the whatever that is just a little more polished, a little less true is every time that happens, it's just one more this moment of distancing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really ultimately for you, like each time I do that, if I write an email like that, it's really not about how it's received. I mean, people say this all the time, but I am getting on, on a different level of it really is so that I deepen my intimacy with myself. Yeah. It's a spiritual practice. Yeah. Everything can become a moving meditation, spiritual practice. Every text we send, every email we send, every time we're present with another, every time we send out a video or a newsletter, every time. And there's appropriateness around this too. I'm not saying you have to be the most audacious all the time because there are moments like at a funeral or moments when there's, there's moments to just say nothing and just be. So it's not about how loud can you be. There's an appropriateness to the communication, but there's always, if you really check in and you're really connected in your hips, in your soul, in your heart's truth, and your mind has been awakened by your coherent heart. So it's in this state of divine mind. Maybe your pineal is, is ignited and you're connected to the all. Like when you're, when you're home, you'll know the truth that's for the highest good of all in that moment. That is not a suppression of other or um, a suppression of self. It's the flow of truth. And to be able to live that way, not as perfection, not as something we strive to, and then we finally get there. No, just as a practice. Yeah, because there will be a million opportunities every day to <laughs> keep practicing. Yes. It really is like that is the beauty, I feel like, of being human. And just like you said, it doesn't always feel good. It's incredible to me that after all this time, there are still 
so many things, so many moments. So yes, I hear that about it being a practice. I'm feeling called to ask you to share this story, which I know you've shared many times, but I think it is such a powerful story and, and speaks in many ways to what we've been talking about, which is this time when you were first dancing in Japan Mm -hmm. and what that experience will just walk us through the story. And then if I have a follow-up, I'll I'll ask it. Mm. I think the story you're referring to is when I got paid the most money I'd ever been paid ever to dance in this show at a four seasons hotel, like this gorgeous top-notch hotel. But when I got there for the costume fitting, there were no tops and it all made sense. I'm like, oh, they're paying me so much money because this is a topless review. And then there was a choice point because none of the other girls seemed to be bothered in the slightest, the French girls or the Australian girls. And I had grown up in Canada and this was wrong and bad and taboo and shame, shame, shame. And they looked at me like, what's wrong with you? Or why are you being a little odd, awkward? Oh no, it's totally fine. That old behavior of stuffing away my, my feelings. But when I, the the good Canadian in me keeps her word and I came back the next day for opening, opening night. And on my side of the stage, I felt so dirty. I felt used by the masculine. I hated, I was ashamed in my body. Like I just was awful, but I was noticing the other side of the stage where the French girls were that all the men on their side of the stage were bowing to them respecting them. And on my side of the stage, they were sort of looking at me like, Hey, you tall drink of water. It was just gross, but it was the same dance. We're basically the same looking kind of people. Like what is going on? And as I discovered more and talked to them more, they were literally practicing that ancient uh, Tibetan monk practice of breathing in the pain and suffering of the world, letting it like alchemy, shift within the being to a higher vibration and exhaling out love and compassion. And as I watched, these women were literally, I didn't know this till decades later, but as I was still watching them, I could see they would receive men's attention and they were doing something within their body, something along the lines of, thank you for noticing I'm a work of art. It is my pleasure to ignite your masculine grandeur with my sacred beauty. Something like that. Like, I don't think they were probably saying those words, but this was the energy. They were then exuding out their fingernails, their eyelashes, the sway of their hips. And it literally would change the body posture and the energy of the gentleman on that side of the stage into reverence and bowing. And I'm like, oh my God. So I started to practice drinking in, breathing in this really yucky, judgmental energy But then it was my spiritual practice. It was my moment of choice. I'm in charge here. No one's doing anything to me. And I said, I breathed it in and I affirmed, which was new for me to think of my body like a divine temple, to think of my sexuality as sacred, to think that, wait a minute, you're paying me to awaken you. I'm in charge here as opposed to I'm a victim of you and you're using me. Like it was a total night and day shift. And I breathed it in. And I swear I got inches taller and I exuded gratitude for noticing the divine beauty in my sacred divine temple body. And they started to stand, sit up taller on my side of the stage and started bowing to me with reverence. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in charge here. We're all in charge here. We're all creating our reality. That's so powerful because it's such a shift from, like you said, either victim or the people pleasing anything that is about reaching out and saying, please feel this way. Please think of me this way. Please behave this way to here I am. Mm. And then the world will respond as the world responds, but here I am. This is the intimacy here I am. And it's here I am. Like you said, here I am as a hot mess and here I am as a divine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
it allows for an interesting uh, other superpower that comes out of it. Um, when we're that home with ourself in the face of potential reverence or rejection, and we choose to not reject ourselves, and we choose to be home with all of our wobbly parts and magnificent parts, this place of home. When we choose from this place and manifest from this place, we can feel the feelings of having that which we desire now. I used to think manifesting was um, hoping, hoping, pushing, pushing, doing, doing, affirm, affirm, vision, vision, like all this like doing. And, and I wasn't a very good manifester. But what I've discovered is when I can first get into that intimate relationship with myself, that would be step one. And I'm not saying that's an easy step. Okay. That takes practice and it's, it's work and you need to keep showing up. Yet when you get better at that sense of home and then you imagine, let's say you'd like to be in relationship with someone and you feel in this moment, what it's like to be in their arms. And you've been together already for like five years and you know exactly the way they like their coffee. And you love it when they say that funny little joke. And you feel it all right now. That equals pretty instant manifestation. If we could be that way 24-7, which of course is very difficult. So it takes a while. But that's how we manifest when we can feel the, the gratitude, the, the, the joy, not the wanting, hoping, needing, the relief. No, no, no. Just like it's happening right now. That is the most potent vibration to send out to the universe to say with that figure eight loop, the feedback loop, and so it is. And the cool thing is on top of actually having it in life, you don't wait to be happy until you have it. You're happy now. You're practicing the feelings of fulfillment now. So you're fulfilled already. So who really cares when it shows up? Because you're already fulfilled. You're already experiencing the feelings of having it now. So you're happy today. And I think that's what happened this morning, Daphne, before our interview <laughs> is I woke up going, oh my God, I don't, if I open my eyes, it's all dark and I don't have anything that I've asked for, but God, I'm just so happy. <laughs> I'm feeling the feelings of having it all. And I'm delighted to show up and put one foot in front of the other and do my work to receive all that, to call it in. Yeah. And it's so funny because I didn't say this when you shared it the first time, but um, it's really, it was funny because this morning I woke up. And I had this feeling of, oh, I feel so happy. And oh. there wasn't anything in particular. And, oh. but I think um, just this sense, it, it comes, it, it circles back to where we began of this investing in this worth, the sense of worthiness, because to imagine, ah, yes, it is done it is also rooted in worthiness and, and not, uh, I, like you said, Oh, I hope it happens. And when it happens, then I'll feel good about myself. And then I'll know. And if my son chooses me, I'll know that I'm love. It's like, no, it is done. It is done. That is such a different place to come from. And so it is. And so yeah. it is. Yes. You one thing on that, Daphne, before we move on, you bring up a very important part because in order to feel it as done, there's a lot of work to do in terms of worthiness. There's a lot of work to do in terms of, can I walk through life and let go of control to allow this to come in? Who, what, when, where, why, however it's going to arise. There's a lot of deeper integration in the way of being able to rest and truly have that in fact, I was on um, Betsy Chassie's podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about this very, this very uh, deepening of my capacity. I kind of call it like I've, I'm developing a basement in my hips. Like I could feel very much through my heart, but as I went more into my hips there, I was di literally first disassociated, numb. And then as I came back into it, tremendous trauma, and I'm integrating it into a, a basement where I can actually feel what I just said. What does it feel like to have it all now? And I said, what? And she's like, well, I, I want a guy who's, who's, who's monogamous and chooses me. And I go, okay, let's go there. Let's feel the feelings. And he's here and he chooses you and he's claimed you and that rest. And she said, oh my God, that makes me want to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I said, okay, it's what you want. But when you feel what you want, you want to vomit. I go, there's your work. Yes. That's the integration work. Because having that, she is like, am I worthy? What if he leaves? You know, like he's going to find out about this and like all the stuff. So that's why, why we sit in the fire, why we integrate all that stuff is ultimately so we can feel home with ourselves having that which we desire, which then of course is the vibration to manifest what you desire. And your only job is to keep practicing this every day and putting one foot in front of the other until you literally, I call it like a mirror. Like you can see in the mirror what it is you choose. But if you want to have a kiss, you got to walk all the way up to the mirror. So you just keep putting one foot in front of the other until you and the mirror are one and you're kissing yourself, your dream. There it is. Beautiful. Okay. I have a, a closing question, but first of all, if you do as a listener, if you want to dive more deeply into the world, that is Alana Pratt, then you can go to Alana Pratt, which is a L L A N A P R A T T.com. And if you go to alanapratt.com forward slash quiz, then you can take the quiz. And, and here's the thing. So it's this quiz about finding out your, your blind spot and your, where you are with intimacy. And when you take the quiz, then Alana sends you an entire document and then three videos all around what this means and where you're at. And there's an incredible amount of value and learning about yourself and being educated and opening up to deeper levels of intimacy. So if you're interested, then highly recommend alanapratt.com forward slash quiz. Is there anything else you want to say about that, Alana? Oh, no, you said it better than I said. Okay. That's really great. Um, yeah, you'll discover if you are, because we're always evolving, an intimacy apprentice, an intimacy craftsman, craftswoman, or a master of intimacy. And every level has a blind spot because we never get there. And uh, thank you so much that you value all the time, energy, resources I put into that so that people really get a sense of who they are, who I am, and what's possible on this journey. Yes, absolutely. And then I offer a gratitude before my last question. So the thing that really strikes me right now is, like I said, at the beginning of the conversation, we... I interviewed you. I don't know if you interviewed me, but very early on in my journey here, you were part of it. And you have been, and I say fearless, including the word fear. Like I know there's been a lot of fear and maybe bravery is a better word, but relentless is actually the word that comes <laughs> most in your in your evolution, which then is everyone's evolution, who is working with you, who is in community with you, who is part of the world that you are creating, that you are consciously, actively, consistently, and powerfully, powerfully with the masculine of like taking this action and moving forward and the feminine of this tenderness, this gentle heartedness, just moving in this direction of more and more and more intimacy and growth and expansion and dancing with the mystery and being the divine. So I'm so grateful for your commitment, your persistence and your deep, deep love of yourself, of your work, and of the people that you call into your community. Mm. Oh, thank you so much. Because you, ha we have started our journeys a good, I feel like a good decade ago. Yeah. Um, and so you've watched the ups and the downs and the throughs. And for you, remember, I think I was calling it stubbornness before. I quite prefer relentless. That's good. Yeah. Thank you for seeing me. And I feel like if we were in person, I would be holding your hands um, and our foreheads would be touching. And I'm so grateful that you see me mm -hmm. and it feels so 
home and good. I appreciate that reflection and I'm receiving it as deep as I know how. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. It's having it received is as beautiful as you receiving it in my mind. So that's, Mm. thank you. And the last question I want to ask, well, actually I'll ask one question before I ask the last question, which is there anything that I haven't spoken to that you want to make sure is said? I just think we both woke up happy because we knew we were going to talk today. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. I really do. Like, yes, we do our work and yes, we have our practices and the whole thing. But I think the universe was delighted that we were connecting, reconnecting today. And, um, I just love you. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. I love that. And I love you too. And so this last question is, what does it look like for you at this point to become like, what is the next level of intimacy for you in your life? Mm. Yeah. I'm allowing even brighter shining and even more vulnerable, uh, transparency, the app that I'm developing, the world's first partnering app is called Heartmates, where we become the one to find the one to keep the one because dating apps are designed to make money when we fail at love. And I choose to help people find their heartmate and then move from heartmates for singles into heartmates for couples. And I'm proud of that. And I've been working on that for two years. And what I'm adding to that, that delights me beyond measure and mm, is so uncomfortable to let myself have what I really, 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 really want, which is uh, a reality show where I get to go see the people I love so much, my beautiful clients that I get to see every single week on Zoom, but I miss hugging them so that the reality show will be some version of me visiting them and the people in Heartmates and the people that will see the reality show will see the deep work we really do. And they will be invited to feel right along with us and heal right along with us. And as we can tell from this interview, the depth in an interview that I can go, that we can go, or the depth of a coaching call, integrating traumas, same, same. So to share that level of vulnerable, intimate connection with people to contribute to them and invite them into the community of Heartmates to do the inner work and to let it be like a figure eight that feeds each other. That feels like I've taken off, like I outstretched my wings and I'm flying. I'm not the horse still in the gates of the horse race. Like I'm galloping down the, um, down the fairway. So that's where I'm going deeper inside and deeper outside infinity, inward, infinity, outward, intimacy, inward, intimacy, outward to live even more fully. Yeah. And so it is. (laughs) Thank you, sister. I'm going to slap my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Alana. This has been beautiful. It has. And I thank you so, so very much. If this conversation has moved you or inspired you and you feel called to share this episode with someone else, please do. And for all show notes and past episodes, to learn about all offerings, go to DaphneCone.com. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can do that over on iTunes or Spotify, and you can review it over at iTunes. If you'd like a weekly embodiment practice, you can get one over at DaphneCohn.com. And if you'd like to read my deepest, most intimate writing on living a sensual body-based life, check out my substack, Raw, Wild, and Holy. And thank you for listening.